Our scripture reading today is from Joshua chapter 24, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 14 and read uh, just a moment here. Uh, Joshua, excuse me, Joshua 24, beginning in verse 14 through verse 28. Hear now God's word. Now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers, uh, which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who did these great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went among the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, including the Amorites who dwelt in the land. We also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. But Joshua said to the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after he has done you good. And the people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. So Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord for yourselves to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. Now therefore, he said, Put away the foreign gods which are among you and incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve, and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made for them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. Then Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law, and he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness to us, for it has heard all the, all the words of the Lord which he spoke to us. It shall therefore be a witness to you, lest you deny your God. So Joshua let the people depart, each to his own inheritance." And thus far, the reading of God's word and all God's people said. Amen. Well, we did again want to congratulate our graduating seniors, Anna Lee, Emma, Anna Elizabeth, Sarah Grace, and Alex. We know that you're happy because you think it's over. And we're happy because we know it's just beginning. But we're genuinely happy for our graduates, and we desire God's richest blessings on all of you. You have been waiting for this time, a time to make your own choices. You have lived a certain number of years, and hopefully you've gained some knowledge, some understanding, and some wisdom. We're genuinely proud of what you've accomplished, and as we said, we congratulate you, however, you have not accomplished everything yet, and graduation from high school does not mean what many young people think it means. Remember, even fools sometimes make it to age 18, and many of them graduate from high school. While you still uh, will likely and appropriately be accountable to your parents, nevertheless, you will also likely find yourself in new places where you will be making new choices outside of 
their oversight. In fact, you're going to make choices every day about many things, and you should remember that every choice has consequences. Your parents have invested in you with their time, their labor, and their money, and their instruction in hopes of equipping you to be able to make wise choices. You've been raised in a Christian church, heard many sermons and Bible studies, you've received a Christian education, and you have been taught and disciplined and corrected and encouraged in all the right directions. And so now, we're going to be watching. We're going to be watching to see if you were listening and if you were actually learning. Will you be like the wise man in the book of Proverbs that we're told shall inherit glory? Or will you be like the fool in the book of Proverbs who we are told whose legacy shall be shame? Those are the options. Glory or shame? Well, we'll soon see your story play out before our eyes. Even now you're making choices about school or work, where to live, who to live with. You'll choose if or when to go to bed or get up in the morning. You'll choose how to spend your money, whether to go to class or sleep in, whether to study or not, or to work hard or not. You'll choose whether to go to church or to skip church. You'll make choices about your friends and your social life. And you will choose to be pure and chaste, or you will be loose in your moral behavior. But there's another choice that you have to make. And it's the most important choice. It's an unavoidable choice. And it's a choice that will have both temporal and eternal consequences. And this choice has to do with who you will serve. And make no mistake about it, you will serve somebody. And that brings us to our text today. And Joshua speaking to the people of God, or we might say to church members, they were like you. At this key point in your life, it is time to make this key choice. Will you retain and embrace what you've been given Or will you forsake the Lord and follow something or someone else? And so Joshua charges the people, even as I charge you today. Verse 14, Now therefore fear the Lord. Serve Him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. So the first command that we have here is to fear the Lord. Proverbs 1.7 declares that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, uh, beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. If you're to fear the Lord, then you're going to first have to know the Lord, and second, you'll have to cultivate an awareness of His presence. He is holy and almighty and omniscient, and that's true whether you're aware of it or not. That doesn't change the facts. Hebrews 4.13, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. But a self-conscious, that is an awareness on your part, a self-conscious cultivation of an awareness of his constant presence 
is the only thing that will protect you in the days ahead. That means reading His Word. That means praying. That means surrounding yourself with godly people. That means putting yourself in a place that is safe. If you never go near the edge of the cliff, you can't fall off. Second, we're commanded to serve Him in sincerity and truth. God, we're told in Psalm 51.6, desires truth in your inward parts. So as you consider this choice between Jehovah and the other gods, it has to come from deep within you. The Hebrew word for sincere means complete or whole or full or perfect. You need to say it and you need to mean it when you say it because God is going to test what you say. Third, we are commanded to put away the gods, the other gods. The word for put away means simply to remove or to turn them over or turn them in, expose them, get rid of them. So you need to look around your life and see if there are any little gods under your beds or in your closets or on your phones or in your hearts that need to be expelled. You may not keep them nearby. In Genesis 25, we see an example of what is required when God calls Jacob to establish an altar for him. And I want you to think of your life this way. God calls all of us to establish an altar for him, a a place in our hearts where we go before him and serve him with this sincerity and truth. So Jacob, though, is, is establishing a physical altar, a place where he goes to pray and worship. And he does so at Shechem, the very place where Joshua is now speaking. Then God said to Jacob, Arise and go to Bethel and dwell there and make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. And Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us rise up and go to Bethel, and I will make an altar there to God who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me in a way which, in the way in which I have gone. And so they gave Jacob all the foreign gods which were in their hands and the earrings which were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the uh, terebinth tree which was by Shechem. He buried them. He, got them. He, he gave them a funeral. So they had collected over the years these little idols and little trinkets and little things that came in the worship of other gods. And he said, clean house. Bring them all here. Let's put them in a pile and let's bury them. No more. So before Jehovah can be served, you will need to rid your house of idols. Verse 15, and, it seemed, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose, or we would say, if it seems like a bad idea to you to serve the Lord, to serve Jehovah, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether it's the gods of your fathers that they served on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so Joshua calls for an election to be held between Jehovah and all the other gods, and you too must vote in this same kind of election, for there are many gods that are campaigning for your vote. There are many gods of antiquity, 
a whole host of gods to choose from, whose siren call goes out all the time. There are many religions, there are many movements, there are many philosophies. But there's another danger, and that is there are also, like the gods of the Amorites in whose land the Israelites dwelt, there are many current cultural gods that are working very hard to sign you up for their cause. And so today I'm asking you five young women to make a choice. It's a choice for you who are graduating. It's also a choice for the rest of us. And it's a choice that you need to make today. Notice Joshua says, choose you this day whom you'll serve. Don't put it off. If you will make that choice once, you won't have to make it every day because the fundamental choice will have already been made. Settle the matter in your head and in your heart. However, to put off committing your life to serve the Lord is by default to make a choice to serve some other god or gods. This is another one of those inescapable concepts. Like it or not, you've got to make the choice. Joshua himself led the way as he's addressing the people, and he says, I'll tell you what, I'm going to make a choice. As for me and my house, we're going to serve Jehovah. We're going to serve the Lord. And so he resolves for himself, he resolves for his house, for everything that he has control over, his things, his people, whatever he has control over, he resolves to serve the Lord regardless of what anybody else does, of what all the other people do. So then, what will it be for you? What is your choice? Are you resolved to live a life in pursuit of holiness because you've chosen to follow the God of holiness? Or will you now choose to move in a new direction? First John 2, 15 through 17, Do not love the world nor the things in the world, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father but of the world, and the world is passing away, and the lust thereof. But he who does the will of the Father abides forever. Are you prepared to follow Christ when no one else is following Christ? Or will you be drawn in to follow the crowd? Are you a fair-weather friend of Jesus? When Jesus laid out some hard terms to some of the disciples, some of the people who were ostensibly followers of Jesus, and they said this to Jesus, this is a hard saying. And then we read Jesus said, or we read in John, it says this, from that time on many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Following Jesus is hard. It's hard every day. There are temptations. There are things trying to get you to not do that. And we don't see Jesus chasing after them. Jesus says, follow me, and I'll bless you. You'll have a great life. You'll have eternal life. You'll have abundant life. But it's not going to be an easy life. Verse 16 and 18 from Joshua 24. So the people answered and said, Far be it from us 
that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, including the Amorites who dwelt in the land. We also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. And so Joshua briefly accounts the, recounts the history of God's mercies to the people as a means of reminding them to be thankful. And so I ask you, are you aware of all that God has already done for you? How he's given you Christian parents and a good church and a Christian education? How he's, he has provided you every day with food and shelter and love and protection? Hosea puts it this way, they shall fear the Lord and his goodness. Matthew Henry, commentator, comments, Reverence a God of such infinite power, fear to offend him and to forfeit his goodness. Keep up an awe of his majesty, a deference to his authority, a dread of his displeasure, and a continual regard to his all-seeing eye upon you. Now, the people were very, very quick here to respond to Joshua, and they assured him that they would serve Jehovah. And you should likewise make the choice to follow Christ for the two reasons that are given in our text here. First, because of the many great and kind things that he has done for you. A demonstration of gratitude, that's a reason to be committed to him. But also, second, because you're in covenant with him. You've already made a commitment to him. He said, they say, we will serve the Lord, for he is our God. But be careful. Be careful not to be too hasty to say that you're prepared to follow him, because it's easy to sign up to go to heaven, but the journey is a hard one indeed. Joshua shares this concern, and so what we see in this text is he kind of slams on the brakes, and he offers a rather stern warning. Now, like somebody says, I'll take it. I'll, I'll, I'll sign up. And he goes, all right, wait a minute. Let me, let me point out there's some fine print here, and you need to be sure you understand that before you actually put your name on the bottom line. But Joshua said to the people, you cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a, just, he is a jealous God, and he will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods. Then he will turn and, you, and do you harm and consume you after he's done you good. Joshua is reminding the people that since God is holy, he's not somebody you want to mess with. We have a lot of popular versions of Jesus and God, but the God of the Bible is holy. It's true that he's loving and merciful, but he's also holy and jealous, and we don't get to pick the attributes of God that we like and reject the others God cannot be reshaped to suit our taste, and neither will God treat your unfaithfulness lightly. And so Joshua lets the people know that the Lord is very strict in his demands. You cannot serve the Lord except you put away all the other gods. In Luke 14, Jesus 
this is the story, a great multitude is with Jesus. And he turned and he said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother and wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he's laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he's able with 10,000 to meet him who's coming against him with 20,000? Or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions for peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land or for the dunghill, but men throw it out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. You cannot say to the Lord on Sunday, I am a follower of Jesus, and then run back to the trough right after the benediction. If you haven't forsaken the old gods then you will not know God's blessing. In fact, you will feel the pain of all those who forsake him because the Lord permits no rivals. Therefore, I'm warning you that you had better be very careful because God is not mocked. You will reap what you sow. On the one hand, Jesus told us that his yoke is easy and that his burden is light. But on the other hand, he's also given these warnings. He said, enter by the narrow gate, for the wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Moreover, Jesus said, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And then in our text, verses 21 and 22, And the people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. So Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord for yourselves to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. These young women have given their word that they don't belong to themselves, but to their faithful Savior who loved them and gave himself for them. They have taken an oath in their baptism. They have repeated that oath at the Lord's table and in their membership vows of church. And they sit here today giving testimony that they are indeed committed to serving the Lord. Should any one of them, God forbid, forsake the Lord, then their own words will testify against them. Their words will be witnesses against them. Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle, Psalm 15 asks, and part of the answer is, he who swears to his own hurt and does not change. In Jeremiah 5.2, God complains about the people. Though they say, as the Lord lives, surely they swear falsely. 
Covenants carry with them a self-maledictory statement. In other words, Lord, I'll follow you, and if I don't, I understand what that means. You might mess with Texas and get away with it, but you're not going to mess with him. Now, verse 23, Now therefore, Joshua said, Put away the foreign gods which are among you and incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. So you've made your choice to follow the Lord. It's time to act on that commitment. It's not enough to say so. You have to do so. And so there are perhaps some things or some people or some habits that you need to get rid of. There are perhaps some new things and some new people or habits that you need to acquire. Talk is cheap. A heart inclined to the Lord is evidenced by the choices that you make and the way that you live. Keep your heart with diligence, Proverbs says, for out of it are the issues of life. For a man thinks, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And then we have in verse 24 the promise. And the people said to Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve, and his voice we will obey. So here's the promise, the oath, the commitment you must make. As Peter says, sanctify the Lord Jesus, Lord, uh, the Lord, Christ as Lord in your hearts. Um, and, and you should say something like this. Lord, I affirm that as I commence, I will serve you and you alone. I will obey your voice and I will not heed the voice of the stranger. Are you all the way in or all the way out? There's no half and half. And so Joshua, we read in verse 25, made a covenant with the people that day, and he made for them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. He wrote it down. Every one of our seniors has sworn an oath, as I've mentioned, by way of their baptism, the Lord's Supper, by way of church membership. In our, in our church, every time someone joins the church, we take vows and we all recommit to that. We are about to come to the Lord's table again and recommit to that. But the Bible says it's better not to vow than to vow and not pay. In some ways, it's safer to make no commitment to God at all than to proclaim that you're loyal to Him and then be unfaithful. And so the sacrament of the Lord's Supper is an oath of fealty, an oath of loyalty, and God keeps his word and he expects us to keep ours. He's a covenant-keeping God. Part of every covenant are blessings and curses, and central to our covenant with God is his promise to be our God and our promise to have no other gods. We are his people. And then verse 26 and 27, Then Joshua wrote the words of the book of the law, and he took a large stone and set it up under the oak that was there uh, by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness for us, to us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord which he spoke to us, and shall therefore be a witness to you, lest you deny your God. So this rock was a picture, and it was a big rock of something that could not easily be moved. It wasn't going anywhere. It would be a constant reminder of the choice and the promise that the people had made to be loyal to God. If they fell away, he said, that rock would speak. 
They could just see it and hear it testify against them. It would speak to the fact that they had, in fact, said that they would obey the Lord. And we have all heard one another make the same promises. The walls of this building hear you sing. Hear you confess and pray. They have seen you eat the body and blood of our Lord and by so doing pledge yourself to Him again each week. These walls are a second witness We're going to pray now, and then I'm going to, before we come to the table, touch on the very last verse of our text here. Let's pray. O God, our Father, you have been our refuge and dwelling place in all generations, before all creation and from all eternity. You are God. But as for us, our days are like grass and the flowers in the field. We appear but for a moment, and the wind passes over us and we're gone. O Lord, make us to know our end and the measure of our days that we, may, that we might know how frail we really are. May we reflect on the vanity and the brevity and the uncertainty of things seen and temporal, and may we pursue those things which are unseen and eternal. Father, we rejoice today at the sight of these young women that you have called to yourself. You formed them in their mother's wombs and have numbered their days, and We pray that you would continue to direct their steps and make their path straight. Grant them the wisdom of Christian humility and the grace of Christian charity and protect them from temptation and from those who would do them harm. Establish them in righteousness and equip them for service and prosper their way and grant them your peace. O Lord, we thank you for the parents of these graduates and likewise for their faithful family, friends, and teachers who have blessed them abundantly. And we thank you most of all for Jesus Christ himself, who is their Lord and Savior, and for his church. May it be obvious to all who know Anna Lee and Emma and Anna Elizabeth and Sarah Grace and Alex that they are building their lives upon the sure foundation of Jesus Christ and his word. Fill them with your spirit and give them a hunger and a thirst after righteousness. Give them true and sincere faith and true repentance from sin and true wisdom and true courage to stand for what is right and against what is wrong. We ask your blessing now upon them all in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. Verse 28 of Joshua 24 says, So Joshua let the people depart each to his own inheritance. As followers of Jesus Christ, we have come out and we have come together. We have denied ourselves, taken up our crosses, and we follow him. That's not just what we say, it's what we do, and it's who we are, or at least that's who you say you are. As we walk out of these doors in a bit, as we go to our inheritance, as we go to our places, that's when we find out who we really are. Graduation from high school is only the end of high school. It's okay to pause and look behind you and to see where you've come from. It's a good idea to do that for all of us. But very quickly you must pivot and look ahead of you. 
Graduation is also the beginning of a new kind of test. There is an antithesis, and that is a clear choice between the God of the Bible and some other God or idol, and it's an all-or-nothing choice. It's a choice of service, a choice that requires you to remember where you have come from and what God has already done for you. It is a choice and a commitment that you have already made, and thus to break it carries very serious consequences. And so I invite all of you who've made that commitment, who've been baptized, who are part of Christ's church, who are committed to being followers of Jesus, to come again today to this table to come and renew that covenant with the Lord to follow Him and to follow Him alone and to follow Him all the days of your life. O wise and loving Heavenly Father, we rejoice today at the sight of these young women that you have called to yourself, and we pray indeed your blessings upon them all the days of their lives. Establish them and equip them for service. Prosper their way. May it be obvious to all who know these young women that they are building their lives upon the sure foundation of Jesus Christ and His Word. Fill them with Your Spirit and give them a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. Father, we bless You, for You have blessed us. Teach us the lessons of contentment to serve You gladly where we are. Even in our failures, we pray that You would conform us to the image of Your Son. Grant us a fervent love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Enable our brotherly love to continue so that the world might indeed see that we are disciples of Christ. Help us to love the world, to love our enemies, and to serve gladly in this world. Bless now this Lord's Day as we rest and fellowship and feast. Continue your mercies toward us. We pray that all the world may know that you are our everlasting Savior and mighty Deliverer, and that we might honorably bear your holy name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Amen. Therefore, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and our Father, who has loved us and given us an everlasting consolation and good hope by grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Amen. Amen.